Take your Bible and join me in Revelation chapter 13. There's one other thing I want to say about this morning. You know, there's, there's times that people have asked me over the years when, when things are happening with you and, and trying to deal with certain things and uh, all the things that, that people go through and the things you experience, you know, who, who do you talk to? Who do you, who do you visit with? Well, the answer to that is I visit with my pastor, and she's sitting right over there. She's the reason that for 38 years I've been doing this, but I accepted a call to preach the gospel, and she accepted a call to be my wife and to stand by my side, and we've been together going on 46 years, and She's counted up eight of those years that have been good. <laughs> but folks, I wouldn't know what to do without IB, and I appreciate her for who she is in this church. She's the one that makes sure that everything gets done. And she's done a pretty good job of raising me and the other two kids. Last week, we kicked Satan out of heaven. Remember that? And the scripture said that the earth better beware. Because now Satan, who was able to go into heaven, he would, uh, God would call the angels before him. And Satan would come before God. And all you have to do is read the book of Job. And you understand this, and, and he began to accuse Job, he accuses you. And he has been in heaven accusing you, accusing me, and Jesus stands up for us. That's that intercession part of what Jesus does for us. When he ascended into heaven, he ascended into heaven to intercede for us. Because Satan is coming before God, and God requires that of him, but now we come to a time... In the last seven years, these years of tribulation, we're at the halfway point, and it is here that God cast the old dragon, Satan, out of heaven. He's on the earth. He cannot come back into heaven, and that's why all of this is about to erupt in what we call the great tribulation. Okay? Satan is after everything that stands for God. Satan is after God's throne. Satan is out to destroy Israel. That's what we saw in chapter 12. That woman is the nation of Israel. The child she delivers is the Messiah. The Messiah comes. The nation of Israel has delivered the Messiah. And now God is protecting the nation of Israel and will protect her, the remnant of those who will accept Christ during this tribulation. He will protect them until such time as, as he takes them out. Now, Satan realizes this and, and Satan knows exactly what really what's going on. But now that he's been kicked out of heaven, he, he also knows one other thing. 
He has been defeated one more time. And so we read in chapter 12, he knows his time is short. Did you get that? He knows his time is short. Now the song the choir was singing there a minute ago, I, could, I couldn't help but, but, uh, but think about, uh, you know, God knows tomorrow and God knows uh, all these other days and God knows this. And, and truly there is no tomorrow with God. There is no yesterday with God. He's in the present. It, it's all right now. And he knows what's down here. But see, Satan doesn't. We call God omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere. Satan is not. That's why when God said, Satan, what are you doing? He said, I'm walking to and fro up and down the earth, looking whom I can tempt and, and lure. And so he has the minions that are with him, his, his little uh, disciples, and they are to destroy the things of God because his time is short. Now, chapter 13 brings to us the reason that you and I should search our hearts this morning. And I've, I've tried every time I've done this in, in these chapters of Revelation to remind you, beloved, you better know that you know that Jesus is your Savior. And I, I'm, I'm going to keep going over this as long as God lets me speak. There is no sign to be fulfilled for the rapture to take place. There's not a sign. The rapture is imminent. And you say, oh, well, okay. The church is taken out. The Christians are taken out. What does that mean to me? That means you're left behind. And you'll be a part of this tribulation. And everything that we see about this tribulation should make us realize that if I don't know Jesus as my Savior, I better find Him as my Savior before time runs out. Because I'm going to tell you something. Not only is time short for Satan, time is short for me and you. See, there is no such thing as time with God. God is, is, functions on His plan and His timetable. And he has it all lined out for us. So now in chapter 13, Satan says, I need help. Need something, someone to help me overcome the things of God on this earth. So verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 13. If you have a King James Version, it says, and I stood. If you have an NIV, it says, and he stood. Okay? So now, which is right? Now, if you read that, and it says, and I stood on the shore of the sea, on the seashore there. All, all of us, our minds would go back and say, okay, John is standing on the seashore. And he's looking out into the sea. Because that would make sense, make sense to me, make sense to you. John was standing there, and here's what John sees, because this is all we've been talking about. But basically, remember now, there's no chapter breaks in the writings of, of the Scripture. And so what John writes down, and, and basically what he is saying, he comes out of, of the last verse of chapter 12, 
and to see the dragon is, is wroth, he's angry, he's mad. He wants to make war with the remnant of the seed and he wants to make war with those that keep the commandment of God and of Jesus Christ. His time is short. He needs some help. And he, the dragon, is standing on the seashore. Now, you say, does that make sense? It will when I get through with you. But right now, what we have to understand is, here is the dragon looking out over the sea, and he's waiting because help is on the way. Now, if you look at this in the Greek, the way it's written, and he stands on the shore makes more sense than and I stood on the shore. That's basically what it says, and it's referring to the dragon of chapter 12. And he stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads, ten horns, on those horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his authority and his seat and great authority. The dragon is mad. And the dragon wants to stop God's plan. He wants to stop the Messiah from redeeming mankind. He wants to stop the Messiah, the, the Lamb of God, the, the uh, kinsman redeemer. He wants to stop him from taking back everything that uh, Satan had. And now he's fixing to be robbed of that. But help is on the way. His time is short, Satan's. His, he is short-handed, Satan. But he's short by one. And I'm, I'm going to get to that here in a minute. But I want you to remember the title of my message. And remember what I just said. He's short by one. Now, he sees this, this beast rise up out of the sea. Now, the word, the word Antichrist is mentioned five times in the Scripture. And it's always mentioned by John. You find it in 1 John uh, chapter 2. You find it in, in 1 John uh, chapter 4. And you find it in 2 John chapter 7. It's the only time that, that phrase, that word, Antichrist is mentioned. Now, the only time it is mentioned in relation to the Antichrist that is to come is in 1 John chapter 2, when he talks about, you've heard of the Antichrist that is to come, but I tell you there are Antichrists. This one is a capital A. This is in a small a, which means the false teachers that come that don't preach Jesus, these are the Antichrists that will come. And that's what John is talking about. So here is the one that we know as the Antichrist, the beast. He is referred to the beast in, in the book of Revelation. But let's understand where he comes from. When you read about the sea, the sea, once again, our minds go to this great body of water. But in the scripture, the sea 
will refer to the mass of humanity. And it basically, most of the time, refers to the, the, the mass of humanity of the Gentiles. Now, what happens is, here is Satan standing on the seashore. In other words, he's standing where the masses of people are. There is chaos. There is disruption. There is war. People are fighting. There are things that are happening that cannot uh, be stopped. Conflicts are all around them. But it is during that time, in the midst of all the masses, and the midst of all the uproar, nations hating nations, nations fighting nations, people fighting each other, the UN Council is screaming out for somebody to take hold and bring this all together. Somebody go into the Middle East and settle this dispute with the Arabs and the Israelis. Somebody do something to stop this. It is in the midst of all of this there arises a political figure. Now, he is political in that he will be a part of, of some type of political regime at that particular time. And because he's a part of that, He's going to be able to start saying things, and people are going to begin to listen. And he's going to begin to say all of these things that, that just make so much sense to all the people that are in the world during that time. And as he begins to say these things, all of a sudden he begins to rise in great popularity. He is the one that speaks at the U.N., he is the one that goes to Israel and settles the dispute, the dispute between the Israelis and the Arabs. He's the one that puts a stop to Iran and Iraq and Afghanistan and, and India and fighting among all those people in that particular area. In China and Japan and all around, all of a sudden, there's peace. And he is the one that is settling all this. Notice what the scripture says about him. He is the beast. He rises from the midst of this mass of humanity. He has seven heads Ten horns, ten crowns, and on each of those there is a blasphemous name, the ten horns. You read it, if you want to understand this and, and get it fully in your mind, you need to read the seventh chapter of Daniel. And you'll read about this because he, Daniel in chapter 7 goes over all of the kingdoms that have fought against Israel. And we all know them, Assyria, Tiglath-Pileser, Sennacherib, all of those conquering Jerusalem. And then there's Babylon, there's Nebuchadnezzar. And then they begin to die out. And then there's the Medo-Persian Medo Empire. And they crush them with their, their might and their power. Then the Grecian Empire begins to arise. And then John, uh, Daniel says, and I saw another, another kingdom. And he never does say what it is. Never does describe it. Here is this, this mass of humanity, and here is this one with what we see as heads and horns and crowns. Daniel chapter 7, verse 24 says those ten horns are ten kings. Now somewhere in there, there's going to be kings that are killed by this, this beast, this antichrist. But when we think of these ten kingdoms, I remember when, you remember when the uh, Euro... Uh, began to rise and then this European alliance began together. Remember that? Several years ago. People kept counting and they thought when it got to 10 that Christ was coming. 
But all of a sudden it got to 15 and 20 and, and even more than that. So that threw all of that out of kilter for us. So that wasn't, that wasn't going to be this empire. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. This thing that, that uh, the Antichrist is going to rule is far larger than Europe or anything else. Now the seven heads we're going to read about in chapter 17. And chapter 17 is when the political world of this, this world during the tribulation is going to be destroyed and it's going to fall. And you're going to see these empires such as Egypt and uh, Assyria and Babylon and the Medo-Persian Empire and the Grecian Empire. And then there was another empire and it was called Rome. But Daniel doesn't see that. He sees past the Grecian Empire, and he says there's another empire. So we, he doesn't, he's not able to see those things at that particular time. But this final kingdom that he sees in verse 23 of chapter 7, every one of these kingdoms that we mention has refused the things of God. And everything that we read points to this Roman Empire. And you wonder why that it would point to the Roman Empire. And I guess about as good as, as we can get is to say that because it was Rome that dealt with the church. It was the time of the Romans when the church faced all this opposition and even into the Reformation period with Martin Luther and, and John Calvin and Zwingli and all of those others that stood for the Reformation of pulling away from the, the, the church that was run by the government that was overrunning everyone else. Could it be the Roman Empire? We'll see it as we get further into this chapter. But now the power and the authority of this beast that rises. The Bible says in verse 2 that it comes from the dragon. Now John looks up and he sees this, this beast rising up. And then he said, I saw one like unto a leopard, quick on his feet. And he said, but this one had a feet as the bear. And he had a mouth as the mouth of a lion. Now that's what John saw. If you read it in Daniel, it came out as a lion, a bear, and a leopard. And John sees it as a leopard, a bear, and a lion. You say, so? I want to remind you of something. Daniel's looking this way and he can't see. John's looking back towards Daniel and he sees everything that Daniel can't see. And then he sees and remembers everything that Daniel said about that. And that's what he sees. And so now we understand that here is this beast that is rising up. And John sees that. And the power and authority, it says in verse 2, comes from Satan. And then it says he gave him his throne. Why would he do that? I got a theory. You want to hear my theory? If I can think of it, I'll tell you. Here's my theory. You remember when in Matthew chapter 4 when, when Jesus came out of the wilderness and Satan tempted him and tempted him and tempted him? And then on that third temptation, Satan says, look at all these kingdoms, look at all of this world, look at everything that you can see. Bow down and worship me and I'll let you have it all. And Jesus said, Get away from me. Get away from me. 
Now I want you to bring this forward. This person begins to rise. He's power hungry. He's greedy. And Satan comes and approaches him and said, I'll give you everything that you can see if you worship me. And there's the Antichrist. He sold his soul to the devil. Now I started a name that's uh, entitled this message, uh, The Devil Went Down to Georgia. <laughs> Y'all know that song? We should have played it this morning. He stole him, but he didn't steal him away. That person will give his soul and his heart to Satan to have all of the power of all of this world. And Satan is going to empower him in all of these things. And so now we have this beast that rises. Satan is anti-God, and now he has someone to be the anti-Christ. Look at verse 3. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? So here is this Antichrist, this beast, that all of a sudden is found, and, and he is, uh, they, they have pictures of him, and he's dead. And they see the wound. Look at verse 15 right quick. How was he wounded? Did he shoot himself? Was he shot? How was he wounded? Look at verse 15. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause them as many as would not worship the image of the beast, that he should be killed. Now look up at verse 14. Let's see how it's done. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of these miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword. And he did live. All this is saying is that he appeared to be dead from the wound, from the sword. And everybody mourns because this great orator has now been taken away. But all of a sudden, on the third day, he sits up. And his wound cannot stop him. Death cannot hold him. And Satan performs this, this counterfeit resurrection. To say, see, Jesus is not the only one that has conquered death. Look at this man. He too has conquered death. And the whole world will begin to worship him because of the power of Satan that's put in him. And they will counterfeit the, the death and the resurrection of Christ. And they cry out in verses 4 and 5. And they say, who, who can stand against the power of the beast? And they worshiped him. Who is like unto the beast? Verse 5, and there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies and power was given unto him to continue 42 months. Now you see that? 42 months. This guy is going to be living with the understanding that he will rule the world forever. But I think this verse is in there to help us as a, to understand, and I, I've written out beside that, a promise. God, as He is laying all of this out for us, 
all of a sudden says, let me make you a promise. This is going to last 42 months. Three, one half years. And at the end of that, take heart. This is going to be over. You see, this guy lives under this, this ruse of the fact that now Satan is all of his power and he is going to be able to hold on to that power. And so he begins to blaspheme God. That word means to speak against God. It means to despise God, taunt God, deny God, laugh at God, oppose God. Have no need of God. Don't need Him now, don't need Him in the future. But now the sovereignty of God begins to stand forth for us. The time is short. The Antichrist is going to work in these 42 months. The treaty with Israel is broken because this, this uh, Antichrist is going to rise up and he's going into the temple that he helped Israel build. The treaty that he made with them is supposed to last throughout this, this whole period of time. He will go into that temple. He will desecrate that temple. And if you notice, there is going to be an image of him put up in that temple. Verse 6, he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme the name and his tabernacle. He desecrates it. This is the midpoint of the tribulation. And them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And the power was given unto him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Now interestingly that word make war with the saints means he's going to wear them out. Wear them out is what, what the word means. You see it's not just to take an army and go in to fight against them. He's going to wear them down. You can't do this. You can't do that. You better do this if you want to do this. If you don't do this, you can't do this. They'll even go so far as to begin to kill people, to show the others, you either do what we say or it's not going to get done. And he will wear them down to the point that they will cower every time these, these armies are around them and the power begins to come down and they're told all of these things. And he's going to wear them out, all the people of all the nations and all the world. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Worship this beast empowered by the dragon, <clears throat> except those whose names are not written in the, in the Lamb's book of life. But notice this. This lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. I want you to mark that down. You got your lipstick out? Write it right there. Before this world ever came into existence, Jesus Christ died for your sins and mine. It wasn't an accident that he went down to Calvary. He died for you and he died for me. Before this world ever came about, Jesus died on the cross. Now verse 9 is the key to all of this that's said about the Antichrist. Do you have an ear? You better listen. You better listen to what God is saying. You better listen to the things that are told to us in this book. He that leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He that kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. You wait them out. You wait them out. God will be there. Some are going to die. Martyrs are still going to die. 
They're going to die by starvation. They're going to die by the sword. They're going to die in many ways. They're going to be taken captive. They're going to be made slaves. Some of them will die for the name of the Lord Jesus. And some of them will continue to stand. And those that don't worship are those whose names are in the Lamb's book of life. And they listen and they wait. The Antichrist is now in full power. So let's talk about this next beast. Verse 11. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb. Have you ever seen a little lamb? Huh? Have you ever, have you ever seen just, just a little baby lamb? Cute little dickenses, aren't they? Have you ever seen them when they, when they grow and they got, they got these two little nubs sticking out, you know, in their, in their little head? And, and, and they're fun. They're, they're fun to watch. I wouldn't have one for nothing. But, but you look at them and you see how cute they are. And then here's this beast. And he has two horns like a lamb. But he speaks like a dragon. He has all the power of the first beast. Guess where it came from? From the dragon. From Satan. And causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast. Whose deadly wound was healed. Now. In the scripture, this beast is called the false prophet. The false prophet. Now, what we're talking about, remember the, the Antichrist is going to come up out of the masses of humanity. This beast is going to rise from the religious side of humanity. There's calmness. There's peace. Everything is in order. Because you see, he's going to come up from the creation, the creation of God. And now this false prophet is going to begin to espouse the gospel of the Antichrist. And he is going to take the religious, the religious nations and he's going to pull them all together. He's going to go on TV and they're going to say, isn't it so sad how that some of these old Baptist preachers Talk about Jesus being the only way to heaven. And he says, oh my, yes, we're, we're so sorry for that. But we want everybody to know that God loves everybody. And, and God's going to take everybody to heaven. And nobody has to worry about those things. And, and we're just so sad that they won't try to unite everybody in the love of God. And, and everybody just join together and be one. And one of these days, this beast is going to unite all the religions of the world. And there's going to be one. And most of us will be like uh, the old Baptist deacon that was listening to all of this and said, we're going to take all the churches and we're going to make them one. It's going to be called a Christian church. And he jumped up and he said, I've been a Baptist for 86 years and you're not going to make a Christian out of me now. won't be called Christian. He's going to unite these church in a religion. All the churches will be brought together. And there will just be one. And it will be controlled by this beast. His demeanor, his appearance is like a little lamb. But he's a hypocrite. There's no lamb to him. His speech betrays him. But that, that, 
voice of the dragon is going to be so calming and it's going to be so convincing and it's going to begin to drag in all of these people and they say, my, isn't he a great speaker? And then he'll begin to deceive the masses and he'll manipulate them and he will assure them that they need the the policies of this, this antichrist, this beast that is ruling over our world and that we have to take the political side of this and the religious side of this and join it all together. There is no separation of church and state. We've got to have it all together. The masses will be mesmerized. They'll hear the things that he has to say and they, they'll say, that's just wonderful. He's going to rise not out of the chaos, but out of the earth. He's going to have a Ph.D. in religion. He's going to be the one who has risen to great heights. Could be from a megachurch somewhere. Could be from some temple somewhere. I don't know. But he's going to rise up from that religious organization. And he's going to unite all the people empowered by Satan. And he's going to do it so that we will all worship the beast. He will brag on the Antichrist. He will tell you how great the Antichrist is doing, bringing all these wars to an end and, and getting all the people together. And everybody is so happy and everybody is, is being fed and all these things happening. And he'll turn that worship around. Verse 12 said he will worship the dragon. And how's he going to do it? Verse 13, he'll do great wonders so that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth and in the sight of men. He deceives them that dwell on the earth by the means of miracles, which he had the power to do in the sight of the beast. And we read 14 and 15 a minute ago. He's going to call fire out of heaven. You say, well, how's he going to do that? <coughs> it wouldn't be hard, especially in this day and age. And if you want to be, uh, think along the lines of what we have now, uh, he could set off an, a, an, a, a bomb up, up above and fire can fall down out of heaven. It's not hard to do. And the things that we can do today go beyond anything that we can understand. But by the power of Satan, he is going to perform all of these miracles. And they say, we just can't, we can't stand against that. He must be the God, the Messiah that is to come. And he will unite himself and point the worship to the Antichrist. As the Antichrist rules the world, and he will go forth and preach this unholy gospel. What is this unholy gospel that's going to be preached? I don't know, probably most of you know uh, Dr. Criswell, W.A. Criswell, pastored First Baptist Church for Dallas over 50 years. He's gone to be with, with the Lord now, but I was reading uh, what he said about all of this. And the things that he said made sense to me. When I, when I begin to understand, he's going to, this guy's going to be espousing all of this, this unholy gospel for everyone. And they're going to, to buy into it. But what kind of gospel is that? What is this unholy gospel? And then he began to list all of these. And, and basically, this is what he said. First of all, he said, he will preach what they want to hear. And folks, that's just exactly what people are looking for today. They want you to tell them what they want to hear. They want you to tell them how good they are. They want you to tell them that, that they're all going to go to heaven. It doesn't matter how they live or what they do. They want you to tell them. And they, they don't want you to, to, to say anything with any uh, force of any kind at all. Just tell me what I want to hear. And if they don't find it there, off they'll go. By the grace of God. 
I'll never do that. I don't care what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only when he uh, preach what they want to hear, but he'll teach them what they want to hear. Teach me about how I can do this or I can do that. Teach me about all of these things that are going to get me into heaven. Another thing, he will assure them God is dead or he's impotent. Now the Antichrist has taken over. The Messiah is no longer. He is the Messiah. He is the one we worship. And so he is going to explain to them, God's not in control of this anymore. This is our God and we should worship him. God loves everybody. Yes, he does. But you choose to love him or not to love him. It's not God, it's you. And you have to choose whether or not you do. He will assure them that the Antichrist and the dragon have all the power that they need to get themselves into heaven. And then he said, he will enjoy what the world enjoys. In other words, he'll fit right in with you. Whatever you want to do, he'll do the same thing. But you have to do what he says. Because you see, everything that he is going to preach is under his control. And he will take everything away from you. He'll give what the world wants, but you will do it his way. And if you don't, he will destroy you. He'll kill you. You'll be taken out. Starved to death. Whatever it might be. You'll be taken out. This beast rises to mesh the the religions and the politics of a one-world society. And then look with me, if you will, in verse 16. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. And that no one might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man, and his number is six, six, six. I studied all week on this thing. And I went to the store yesterday for I.B., and I got two things, same, same stuff, two. And I went up to, I was at Walmart, and I went up to the counter, and of course they got that scanner, and everybody thinks that's part of the beast too, and I don't know. But I scanned it, and I scanned it, and it showed me my total. And guess what it was? Six, six, six. Now what I bought was tea. I'm going to go home and pour it out. (laughs) Should we be afraid of that number? What what is that number? What, What is that number? It's going to be on the right hand or it's going to be on the forehead. If you if it's not, you can't buy anything, you can't eat anything, they'll take it all away from you. You must have that mark on you. And so here are these two beasts that rise up and they're in complete control of everything. And this unholy trinity that has developed, notice this now, this trinity, Satan is anti-God. The the Antichrist is anti-Son. The false prophet 
is anti-Holy Spirit. Okay, they want to be a trinity. And they'll stand against everything that God does. And you remember that Jesus said, talking about the Holy Spirit, said, He will glorify me. That's what this false prophet is going to do to the beast. Now, he says that we need to put his image in the temple. That's what desecrates it. And folks, the way we can generate stuff anymore, they can put his, his image in that temple and they can make it talk and you'll never know the difference. And there he is and they'll think that he's there and then he's here and he's over here. But it's all going to be all these computers and things that we have. Don't doubt it. They can put that image there and it's going to look just like he's standing there. And he'll be talking to them and give them everything that they need. And the beast will be standing there and saying, look at this. The false prophet says, here is our leader. Here is our God. And I preach the gospel of the Messiah, me, the Holy Spirit that's coming waits. They form a union. Everything will be done by coercion. They will promise to kill you. Six, six, six. There have been so many theories that have come out about what that number means and so many names that have been mentioned that are the Antichrist and, and so on and so forth. And you've heard all that. We've talked about all of that. But it's this number that, that I begin to, to kind of focus on because I'm going to tell you something, folks. That 666 has, has no really significance to it. It's the number, and, and it says that it's, it's the mark of the beast, the number of his name. So somehow it applies to the number of his name. Okay? But if you're a child of God, it doesn't affect you a bit. Now, I want to point out something to you. I want to show you something, because I'm going to end this in victory. Okay? Now, all of these things that this Antichrist and this beast are going to do, all of these things have a problem because every one of them are going to come up short. And do you know why? Because the dragon, the antichrist, and the false prophet are one number short of God. They are nothing but men. They are men just like me and you. Six, six, six. Man was created on the sixth day. Man lives, man dies. God lives forever. Every one of these rascals, those, that three unholy trinity, they are one number short. And God will take Satan, he'll cast him in the lake of fire. Not the pit, the lake of fire. He'll take the Antichrist, he'll cast him in the lake of fire. He'll take the false prophet and he'll cast him in the lake of fire. And he'll shut that off and they will burn forever and ever and ever and ever because they are nothing but a man one number short God is the victor God will overcome thee 42 months you're out you're done you're gone how about you every one of us sitting here are one number short. Know how to get to number seven? Open your heart and invite number seven in. He is complete. He is perfect. He is the Son of God. 
He is God. He is your Savior. He is Lord. You need to know Him. The Antichrist, the false prophet, Satan, one short. And I know Satan is an angel. He's been created. But it fits better with my message if I say that. One short. Don't come up short today. If you don't know Jesus, I'm here. Let me help you find him as your Savior. Let's pray together. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. If you're here this morning without Christ, I'm asking you to open your heart in faith with me. Dads, moms, young person, boy or girl, if you feel the, the power of God in your heart, pulling you to Him, open your heart in faith and pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I know I'm a lost sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ died for me. I believe He rose again. By faith, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of all of my sin. Save me, Lord. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving my soul. If you pray that prayer with me, nobody's looking. I want you to get up. Come. Come right now, and I'll meet you here. Just come. Wait. Let me get to you. You want to pray that prayer? I'll pray it with you. Get up and come. Let's go. Let's pray that prayer together today. You need Christ. Dads, husbands, wives, moms, you need Christ. Young people, you need Christ. You need Him today. Would you come? You need a church home. By letter, by statement, for baptism. Every how we receive you, come. We'll work all of that out. You come. Let's get everything right with God so that we can honor Him today and say yes to Him. Don't turn your back on Him. It's time to stand for Jesus. Time to stand for Him. Would you come? Father, touch our hearts. Change our lives. Give us the boldness to step out and say yes. In Jesus' name, as we stand together and as we sing, I invite you to come. You stand, start walking, come to Jesus.